Say thank God for the word. You need to come hungry for the word. Hungry for the word. Now, I'd like to say I'm going to finish up on this series this week, but I think this might be my last message talking about the Holy Spirit. And we talked all, all sorts of different things, talking about the fire of God and, and those things. And um, last week I talked about the anointing and how the anointing is the love of God in manifestation. So let's t- go to First Peter chapter 4. And we were here last week and... Just want to set the stage. Now, are you are you are you ready for this? Because when when this word is about to come forth, you, you, you we are to be doers of the word, right? Can you say this? I'm a doer of the word, and I will be a doer of what I hear today. Amen. Thank you, Father. First Peter chapter 4. Actually, I need to go to chapter 3 and read this scripture. So I don't have a... Go back and review everything from last week. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Are you grateful for that? The whole point of him coming was to bring us to God. Hallelujah. That he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. If you keep reading down, it talks about Noah, and it, it equates Noah to the baptism, and talking about that, and when we're instructed in the Word, that as we are baptized, that just as Jesus was baptized, and He came up out of the water, that as we are baptized, that same regeneration, that same renewing took place. So, so we have to understand, Jesus was referring to, uh, he, was, he was letting us know, Peter was letting us know, what happened to Jesus is also the same thing that happened to us. If you get on to chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, he says, arm yourself also with the same mind. Meaning, meaning, think exactly about your life the same way that Jesus operated in his life. For he who suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. So arm yourself with the same thought, right? No longer should I be totally focused and running after what pleases myself. But what should I do? Be running after what pleases the the will of God. Amen. I don't know about you, but but I want to operate in the fullness of the will of God for my life. How about you? The only thing that will keep you from operating in the fullness of God's will in your life is is your the lust of your flesh. That's the only thing that can keep you back from fulfilling his will on your life. That's a whole nother message. It says, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing what the Gentiles like to do. You know, there came a, there came a time in my life when I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right? And I, I, it was enough of, I, I, was, I just had enough of it. I was had enough of, of hopelessness. I had enough of, of just having temporary pleasures. I had enough of, of not having any direction or future for my life. And so here, he goes that, that we have this, this, this will of God that we are to be pursuing after in our lives. It goes on in, uh, chapter, uh, in chapter 4, later on in verse uh, 6, it says, For this reason the gospel is preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. So the whole thing that it's saying here is ultimately the gospel was preached so we could live like God lives. And a lot of Christians wouldn't under, won't understand that. They'll be like, that's heresy. For me to be able to live the way God does, yes. That's, that's, a, that's a strong statement that you have the ability to live just like God. Wow. Let that just sink in for a moment. You can live just like God. Now let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. And I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Amplified. 
starting in verse 12, Hebrews chapter 2 in the Amplified. It says, for he says, and this is talking about Jesus. For Jesus says, I will declare your, the Father's name to my brethren in the midst of a worshiping congregation. I will sing hymns of praise to you. This is what Jesus is saying. It's actually also you can find this same set of scriptures in the book of Psalms. Okay. And he says, for he says, I will declare your father's name to my brethren in the midst of a worshiping congregation. I will sing hymns of praise to you. And again, he says, Jesus says, my trust and assured reliance and confident hope shall be fixed in him. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is giving us a testimony of his life. Jesus is telling us what he's going to declare and he tells us what he's going to do. What is he going to declare? I'm doing going to declare that my father's name in the midst of a congregation. I'm going to sing praises to him. And again, he says, my trust and assured reliance and confident home shall be fixed in him. Here's saying Jesus is saying my confidence and my fixed reliance will be in him. Then it says, and yet again, here I am. And the children who God has given me. Whoa. And here I, Jesus, here I am and the children that he's given me. Now listen to this. Since therefore these his children share in flesh and blood in the physical nature of human, human beings. He himself, Jesus, in a similar manner partook of the same nature. That by going through death, he might bring to nothing and make no effect him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Some of you may have read Ephesians chapter 2 for years and didn't realize this is Jesus speaking. Because no one else did this. So he's talking about himself. No one else went to the cross for us. No one else took on human nature like we did. So this, this is Jesus speaking to us. And it's the writer of Hebrews really declaring, the, uh, I think it's Psalms chapter 16 or Psalms 116. So since therefore these his children are you his child. He shared in flesh and blood and physical nature of human beings. And he himself, in a similar manner, partook of the same nature that by going through death, he might bring to nothing and make no effect him who had the power of death. That is the devil. The devil has no power over you. Addiction has no power over you. Lust has no power over you. Anger has no power over you. Why? Because it says he, 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 death that he might bring to nothing and make no effect him with the power of death that is the devil. Now look at verse 15. And also that he might, that he might deliver and completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage throughout the whole course of their lives. Some people have been held by fear their entire lives. But you know what? He, he made available the, the ability that he took care of it for you to be completely set free of the fear. Verse 16. For as we all know, he, Christ, did not take hold of angels... The fallen angels to give them a helping and a delivering hand. But he did take hold the fallen descendants of Abraham to, <clears throat> to reach out to them a helping and a delivering hand. Jesus did not come to give the angels a helping hand. What did he do? He came and he reached down to the descendants of Abraham to reach up to them and give them a delivering hand. You are a child of Abraham. You are a daughter of Abraham. You are a son of Abraham. And what he did is he, he came down on our level to bring us up to his level. And he came to bring you out of fear, bring you out of bondage, bring you out of any of the torments of the enemy. Hallelujah. I'm so glad his hand reached down and took hold of mine. Now, you notice here in this scripture, it said, it said, it said also that he might deliver. He might deliver. 
See, there's, there has to be an exchange that when I reach my hand out to his, the goal was for all men to be saved. The issue is, will you let him give you the helping hand up to another level? Hallelujah. And then not only this, did he reach up and put and gave us a helping hand, but then he seated. He seated us. He seated us. He, he seated us in heavenly places. You, right now, you are seated with him in heavenly places. Because of Christ Jesus, right now, you're seated with him in heavenly places. This isn't when you get to heaven. Right now, whether you realize it or not, you're seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is what we have to understand that, that, that what Jesus made available for me, he, he placed in us and he gave us a helping hand. And not only that, but he then poured out the Holy Ghost on us to baptize them with Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. You are so much bigger on the inside than you realize. Your purpose is far greater than you realize. Your destiny is far greater than you realize. He's just waiting for you to step into and embrace his word, embrace his purpose to do what Psalm says, to bring you out into a broad place, to bring you out into a wide place. Thank you, Father. Let's go to uh, John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Now, last week I talked about how God anointed and we, we took, talk, talked about God and how God is love. So we said how love anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost in power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. How love. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to when the Lord lets me continue on talking about love. Um, but I, I, I can't get there quite yet. Now, you, you told me that you're going to be a doer of the word, right? Yes. I'm going to continue to lay the foundation for where we're headed right now. Okay. John, I'm in Acts 3. I need John 3. John 3. Let's look at verse 1. Holy Spirit, help me get, be clear with this, Lord. Verse 1 says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews... This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. God was with him. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. So even the religious leaders knew there was something different about Jesus. And they're like, we know you're a teacher. That's evident because we know they said in other places, no one speaks with authority like he speaks. Amen. It's like, wow. It's like, who, who is this guy? Where did he come from? And, and Nicodemus saying, hey, we know you're a teacher. It's like, duh. <laughs> we know you're a teacher. But wait a minute. But, but that God is with him? No, no, we've never seen this. We've seen, we've heard other people teach. We've, 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 I'm a teacher myself, but I've never heard anything like this. And he, and he said, but God is with him. Verse three says, Jesus answered and said, most surely I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Cannot see the kingdom of God. What was Jesus saying to Nicodemus? If you want to, See on another level, you're going to have to come up to another level. If you want to come up to another level, you're going to have to see on another level. He says, and what was that going to take? Unless the man be born again. Unless the man is born again. Now, some of my research of this word and this phrase, born again, it really mean, it could also mean be born from above. Unless you're born from above, you won't be able to see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you come up to another level of your thinking, you're not going to be able to see all the possibilities of what the kingdom of God can accomplish in your life. You must be born again. And, and of course, this gets into 
You see, natural man cannot receive the things of God because the Bible says they're spiritually discerned. That's what the Bible says. It says the natural man cannot receive the things of God because they have to be spiritually discerned. Meaning, it's going to require the Holy Spirit to take God's word and then make it living to you, to make it rhema to you. Okay? Thank you, Father. And here they're saying, and so Nicodemus is like, well, how can a man be born when he's old? Why? He's still trying to understand spiritual things with natural understanding. And so, so it goes into, I believe it's ver, uh, the next verse. He says, marvel not that I said to you, you must be born again. Meaning, marvel not. Meaning, don't try to, don't be confused. Don't, is don't, don't marvel at it. Don't, don't get caught in, in that understanding. You're, you're trying to, he's saying, Nicodemus, you're trying to figure it out up here. And I've tried, I tried that. So how am I going to figure out my purpose up here? How am I going to open doors for myself up here? How, God, are you going to do the impossible in my life? And we do it up here. And, and, but he's saying, hey, why do you marvel that you must be born from above? And then, and then, then Jesus says this. He, Jesus wants to use pictures. He goes, well, you know the wind. You, you see the wind. Well, you don't really see the wind. You see the effects of the wind. You, 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 you don't know where it comes from, but you, but you see its effects. And it's the same thing. You, you don't truly understand about this change until... It's like when the Lord came into my life and I became born from above, I still look like Justin. You still like look like you. Now, you might have gotten a haircut. You might have took a shower. You might have done different things depending where you might have been at in life. But, but, but the point is, is, point is, is, is you, you couldn't see the change. You just saw the effects of the change. I couldn't see how things were changed on the inside of me. All of a sudden, just things started to change. And it was the spirit of God upon my life. So being born from above, meaning, meaning I'm, I'm choosing to live on another level. But too often what Justin did is I was born again, but I never came up to another level. Oh, thank you, Father. Man, he goes into a lot of other things here. He gets down to verse 19. He says, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practices evil, hates the light, and does not come to the light. Lest his deeds should be exposed, but he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they're what? Done in God. Meaning you're going to recognize what God has done in your life and what you've done in your life. That's verses 18 through, I think, 21. Let's look at verse 27. I'm just laying a foundation here. And John answered and said, a man can receive nothing, nothing, unless it has been given to him from heaven. Man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Just hold your hands out like this. If you've been born from above, I want you to know there's things that you've been given. You have been given great gifts. You have been given great abilities. Some that you don't even understand right now. Anything that's lasting in the kingdom is from above. Okay, look at me, look at me. Now follow, just track with me here because I've, I've got to deposit this and then I'll get into... All this will make sense by the Holy Spirit, I believe. Verse 31 says, He who comes from above is above all. He was the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies. And no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. 
And God does not give the spirit by measure to him. Okay. Now I want you to see this because if we just look at this from a before the cross understanding, you're going to miss what the Holy Spirit wants to deposit in our hearts today. Because that scripture says, he who comes from above is above all. He was of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies. So now, now, so are you born again? Then that lets me know that you are now from above. So we can either choose to be earthly and speak of the earth. Or we can be heavenly and speak the things that are above. It's up to the believer. Are you going to speak what's heaven speaking? Or are you going to speak what earth is speaking? So Jesus, now get a picture that Jesus was sent for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son, right? And he gave him to the earth. And it said this in, uh, I think it's verse 33. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to speak what I've personally experienced. Jesus is saying, I'm personally going to give you my testimony. And anyone that believes my testimony, that they're going to know that God is true. Now listen to this, verse 34. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. Now this word, words, here is rhema. So he who God sends speaks the words of God. God sent Jesus. So Jesus came to speak the words of God. Now this word rhema is the living word. He came to make Jesus... Real to them. Jesus came to make God real to them. Now, I want you to see this as I shift and go in this direction. God sent Jesus. He came to speak the words of God. Jesus, in John 20, says, As my Father sent me, so I now send you. Just as much as God sent Jesus, Jesus sent you. Now we should be ones that are now speaking the words of God. Jesus said, what I've seen and I heard... That's what I testify. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. When did Jesus send the church? Mark chapter 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But that wasn't the only time he sent the disciples. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter into the city of Samaritans. Now, we know in the, in the Great Commission, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, okay? Now, we know here, there, he's saying, don't go to the Samaritans and don't go to the Gentiles. Just go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Just go to the Jews. But there's a principle that I want you to know that the disciples understood. The disciples understood something. Now, we don't see this in, in the Great Commission, so to speak, but we see the principle of it throughout the book of Acts. And, and, and I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment. 
Hallelujah. Verse 6 says, But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Let's stop there. You see, in this great commission, we, we, we talk about the, the healing the sick. We talk about casting out the devils. We talk about those different things, but here, what was the last thing Jesus told them? Freely as you received, freely give. Jesus only was able to deposit what the Father had given him. Jesus could, what he said, the things that I've seen and the things I heard, that's what I speak unto you and I testify to you. So what is Jesus telling them? Jesus is sending them and he was saying, what you have been given, what you've been freely, what you have freely received, I want you to freely give it. So bottom line, what is he saying? The things that the disciples have seen and heard, what are you saying? I want you to testify to it. I want you to testify to it. See, there's a hurting world outside and, and there's a hurting world everywhere you go. There's a hurting world everywhere you go. And I want you to know there's some things that you have received from God that the world needs. Let me say that again. There are some things that you have received from God that the world needs. They need what you have because you needed what you received. Let me say that again. They need what you have because you needed what you received. There was something that I received that was beyond myself. And therefore, I'm now responsible for take the, taking the things that I've seen and the things that I've heard and testify to it. The things that you have freely been given, you've been received, freely give it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. You know, we have this. There was a song as a, as a child growing up in children's growing up in children's church might be able to sing it with me or Danny help me was <laughs> it this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine let it shine let it shine, let it shine. That song's lying. There's nothing little that God gave you. You do not have a little light. You do not have a less than light. You don't have an insignificant light. Now, I, you take what I mean. I, I, I know what the song's trying to say. But I want you to know that, that if we're not careful, then we'll see ourselves as insignificant. And we'll wait, we'll wait for impacting the world for a preacher to do it. We'll wait for the man of God. We'll wait for a prophet. We'll wait for someone else and not realizing that God placed his glorious light down on the inside of you. That he has brought you up to his level. He has filled you with the fire of God. So you are not a little light. You are not just a little light. You are a great light. You are a superior light. You're a light that has the ability to influence everyone in the house. Or we, you know, the song, you know, you know, was it uh, not going to put it under a bushel? No, right? Is that... Not going to put on a... No. But what's not, a lot of times we hide the light because we're like, where do they think I'm weird? Well, what, 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 what would... I mean, I wonder what all my, my work co-workers will think. I wonder what my family will think. And so, like, we're, we're, we're covering up the light because you truly don't know how bright you can be. You truly don't know how bright you have the ability to be. I'm telling you, you have what they need. You are born from above. There's nothing you're missing out on. There's nothing that you're lacking. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. You got time for maybe three points. They'll be quick points. What have you received? 
What have you received from God? Thank you. First Peter chapter 3. Thank you, Father. Verse 16. It says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. <laughs> wow. Even if you suffer righteousness' sake, you're blessed. Meaning, the, the world, he's talking, about, he's talking about the world trying to persecute you. And he was saying, even though you might suffer for righteousness' sake, hallelujah, but you're blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Sanctify, what does that mean? Set apart. Set apart the Lord as the priority in your life. But sanctify, set apart the Lord in your hearts. Now listen, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You might say, well, Pastor, what have I been given? What have I been given, Pastor? Because what he told the disciples, what you freely have received, what freely give it. This scripture... You, majority of all you raised your hands that you're born again, right? So that means you have hope on the inside of you. How many people you can say that God's healed your body? How many people here you can say God came through for you financially? How many people can say that God gave you wisdom just when you needed it? then that means that, that you have hope on the inside of you, that you, you can give someone a reason on why you hope in God. It's not about you knowing some sort of sermon or a three-point message to be able to give to someone. Just give them the hope that God had on the inside of you on what God did and how God came through for you. That's all you have to do. What did Jesus do? The things he's seen and heard, that's what he testified to. So Jesus was only saying the same thing about himself. The things that I have freely received, I freely gave it. Because he saw it and he heard it and he testified to it. Right? Jesus was only releasing what he had, been, what he had received. And it's the same thing for each one of us. You have God on the inside of you. And it's, it's up to each one of us to re- release the hope on the inside of them. What is that hope? The hope is a, a better image of where they are. Yes. I just wrote a couple things down um, about this. Uh, it says, hope is an inward image about a future outcome. People need to have their inward image changed. They need to be able to see on the other side of their situation. People need to realize there is something more than where they are right now. That's what he said. Give, give, them, give them a reason. Give them a reason. An answer to the hope that is on the inside of you. Let's go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. And of course there's a multitude of things that we could discuss concerning what we, can, what we freely have been given or what we freely received. Thank you, Father. First John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, hmm, that which is from the beginning, which we have heard. So if they heard it, then they've received something, right? That which they, from the beginning, that which they have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. Jesus, what he saw and what he heard, he testified to. Now John is saying, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our, with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. Wow. Concerning the word of life. Wow. Wow. Man, this is, this is their personal experience. They're not, they're not, this isn't, this isn't some sort of, hey, this could be a good sermon to preach. No, the sermon was their testimony. 
The sermon was their story. The sermon was their experience. The life was manifest and we had seen and bear witness. And we declare to you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. This is all personal experience. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. What are they saying? They're saying, hey, the things that we heard and the things that we, 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 we have seen, we're speaking it to you. Do you think maybe they went back and, and they remembered Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 8, where, where Jesus said, cast out devils. Heal the sick, raise the dead. And they're like, man, that's, I don't, can I do that? But yet Jesus added, what you have freely received, freely given. Right. Jesus was never asking them to do something they couldn't do. Jesus was never asking to produce something that they had never seen or, or something that hadn't produced in their life. So don't think witnessing, sharing your faith, preaching the gospel and changing your workplace, changing your school, ministering to others is some sort of grand or this, this super hard thing. No, no, it's just all you're doing is saying, hey, this is what I saw, this is what I heard, and this is what happened to me. Yeah. Now, listen to this. What did it say in, in, in John 3? It said... And he speaks the words of God. Rhema. The living word. You see, what you have experienced, what you've seen, what you've heard is your rhema about God. Meaning, I'm not trying to make something up. About, I'm not trying to make up a testimony. I'm not trying to, to make something up or come up with. No, I'm giving them the reality of what God has done in my life, Eric. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm releasing what God released into my life. You know, I, you know when I got, had that experience and was healed, you know, when I got born again in 1993. And, and, and as that would happen, when I would tell people that story, it was all of a sudden the same presence. That came on me and healed me that day. Went through my body. And I would tell that story to someone else. That same anointing and that same power. Would all of a sudden be right in the center of our conversation. All of a sudden that anointing, that power, that ability is right there. Why? Because I wasn't giving them something made up. I was giving them to to my, my experience of what I had seen and what I had heard. No one can tell me that God won't heal you. No one can tell me that, that you have to wait till, be, till you're cleaned up for God to touch your life. No one can take away my experience. I'm telling you, my experience will always be greater than someone else's argument. My experience will always be greater than what other, some other theologian says about God. Why? Because I experienced. No theologian can tell me that you can't be filled, that, that being baptized in the Holy Ghost has passed away. Why? Because it's on me and in me. No one can take that away from me. You, you have to understand your, your testimony is your living story about God. And it says here, it says this, it says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. Meaning, we want, we want you to know what we know. We want you to experience what we've experienced. We want you to come on this journey. I want you to feel what I felt. I want you to know what I know. I want you to be able to touch him like I touched him. That's what John is saying here. And then get this, and it says, Get it. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus. Now listen, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Hallelujah, that your joy may be full. I want you to know that your testimony will produce fullness of joy in someone else's life. Hallelujah. That joy will come into their life. And if joy comes into their life, then you strengthen their life. All because of something that you saw and something you heard. People will listen to your story so much more than they'll listen to your preaching. People will listen to your story so much more than they'll listen to your religious rules. 
People will listen to your story so much more than all the things that they shouldn't be doing. Jesus said in John 14, 27, remember the things he saw and heard, he testified to. That he would speak words of God and and rhema of God. And what he's in John 14, 27, he says what? My peace, I leave you. My peace, I give unto you, not as the world gives. What is Jesus saying? What, what, that means he had heard, seen, and experienced peace. He received it. What you freely receive, freely give. Jesus was just modeling his word. He was being a true discipler. A true discipler. I think it's Luke 640. It says that that a teacher. It says when it says when a disciple is fully trained by his teacher, he'll be just like him. I think that's Luke 640. It says when a disciple is fully trained, it said they'll be just like their master. So what was Jesus doing to the disciples and Telling to us to go into all the world. He's saying, what I freely have received, I gave it. Now I'm sending you in the same way, which you have freely received. I want you to give it. You have something to give. You have hope. You have joy. You have peace. Let me close with this last thought. Go to Second Second uh, Corinthians chapter three. Second Corinthians three, and we'll, I'll get there in a moment. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Before I get here, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It's a familiar scripture, right? What does it say? We overcome. Right? We overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And then loving not ourselves unto death. You know how you want to beat the enemy? One, know that the blood of Jesus is enough. We overcome by the word of our testimony. What's your testimony? And loving not ourselves unto death. Meaning, meaning it doesn't matter what the enemy does to me. It doesn't matter what other people might do, do to me. No one can take my life from me. I mean, I'm not, fear is, meaning fear is not controlling me. Because all fear really comes down to the fear of death. We overcome by the word of our testimony. There's power in your testimony. Mm. You want to you preach something to someone? Preach your testimony. Preach your story. Because your story is his his history in your life. His story is his history in your life. Tell your testimony. What you've seen, what you've heard. And I'm telling you, what you speak will be his words. It will be rhema. Thank you, Father. There's power in your experience of what God done has done in your life. 2 Corinthians 3. Thank you, Father. Verse 1 says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles or commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistles written in our hearts Known and read by all men. 
You are. You are God's story. What is an epistle? An epistle is a letter of encouragement to someone. And what does Paul say, say here? You are an epistle. You're a letter written to all men. Woo! Mm. Wow. <laughs> wow. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Paul's saying, hey, hey, what, what God has done in your life through us, other people are reading about it. <laughs> I love that. You're known and read by all men. Who's reading your story? Is your life speaking something? Is your life telling something? This is why we're anointed. This is why we have the Holy Ghost. This is why he told the disciples, go into Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And once you're endued with power from on high, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The best good news is the good news of what happened to you personally. Now, you, you can give them scripture. I, I'm, I'm not making light of that. You can't always tell someone a scripture. You need to tell them how the scripture affected your life. There's, there's power in the word, but more important is, is how did that scripture, how did that rhema affect you? What you have freely received, freely give. What you've experienced from yourself, tell someone else. There's hurting people everywhere you go. Your experience might be the very thing that influences their life to change. No one has experienced what you've experienced. So no one can give what you can give. Amen. Have you experienced God's love? Tell it. Have you experienced God's peace? Tell it. Have you experienced God's goodness? Tell it. Have you experienced God's restoration? Tell it. Have you received God's forgiveness? Tell it. Have you received God's provision? Tell it. Have you received God's salvation? Tell it. Hallelujah. Tell it. Tell it. Tell it. Tell. You know, there's a song we sing. Look what the Lord has done. All you're doing was telling what. And see, we sing that in church, but ultimately you should be you should be doing that out in public. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done in Justin Donald Bridges life. See, see now, now no, do not use that again. You're like, oh. <laughs> Maybe I should have gone by JD. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> but I'm telling you, there you got a story. I, I mean, that's why we do um, the testimonies. That's why we want to know your testimonies. That's why we want to know know what God's done in your life. Because if you if you can't share it to the person that's next to you in church, you definitely won't share it to someone that you that you're out in the world with. I'm telling you, your story will produce the fire of God. Hallelujah, man. <laughs> Woo. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. See, you do not have an excuse. I, I'm giving you the permission to go tell your story of what God has done in your life. And I'm telling you, watch, watch how this place fills up, how quick we build a new building, how quick that we see, we see, and we reaching out into our community. Oh, I'm telling you, people are want to hear a story. Yes. Yes, give them scripture. Yes, show them in the Bible. Yes, do all those things, but make it real. Make it real. That's what revelation, that's what Rhema is, making it real. Mm. Be real. Be an authentic testimony of the Savior. And let's go out and give them Jesus. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I thank you. You directed me to minister this word today. Holy Spirit, thank you for taking this word and making it rhema today to each one of us. I thank you that they are a move of God everywhere they go.
because they will testify of what they had seen and what they had heard. Thank you, Father. I thank you that they are overflowing with the love of God. I thank you that they will be moved with compassion in the lives they come across. And it will be the very story that they need to hear. And it will overcome the wicked one in their life. It will be like fresh water in a dry and weary land. It will be just like Isaiah said, and he said it was, you know, when I heard the word, I found it and I did eat them. And it would be something that just will nourish them. The word in their hearts, the, the, the things they've seen, the things they heard will just, will just will bring, bring uh, just feed people around them. Thank you, Father. So I commission them and I just reiterate what Jesus said. I declare what Jesus said as they leave here today, that they will go into their world and they will preach the gospel, the good news. And for them, the good news is the testimony of what God has done in their life. They'll preach Jesus, not themselves. They'll show Jesus, not themselves. And as they speak, they will expect the Holy Ghost to be in the center of the encounter. And He will change everything. And I say, what they have received, I thank you that they will leave here today and they will freely give it. In Jesus' name, amen. Give them a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.